It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're doing our off-season roundtable, so I'm glad to have back a good friend of the podcast who's been on before, one of my favorite people to talk to. I like to say that he's the smartest man in sports talk radio, which is a blessing and a curse if you know that medium. He, of course, is a host on CBS Sports Radio as well as WFAN in New York, Mr. Chris Moore. Chris, welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, and I'm glad that you're uh, succeeding and moving on and and growing, and uh, you know what? Maybe maybe the Jet fan will finally be rewarded with this new regime. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. But before we get to the new regime, let's talk about the old regime. you have anything positive to say about Adam Gase? You know, all I can, uh, it, you know, it really worried me at the time. It really was the impetus for me to quit my Jet fandom and move on to the Packers who disappointed me in the postseason. That's a different kind of disappointment, but the Jets would take it. The Jet fan would take it right now. Uh, at least having a big game beats not having one, even if you lose it. But, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, your buddy Joe Caparosa made a good point that he shouldn't have even interviewed, you know, and, and I thought that was a good point was, you know, the minute they were going to interview him, it showed you just how uh, – detached they were from managing the modern player. And, and I really, you know, I was worried throughout the time just about his ability to run a 53 man plus football team, uh, top to bottom. And I really do think, uh, Scott, that it's a, it's a, it's a leadership job. It is a, it is a full on, I've got control of this entire organization uh, boys climb on my back type of mentality that you need to have. And I, I just never thought, and I don't know how they did that he was ever going to be the guy that was going to inspire that kind of follow me. I'll take you out of this jet doldrum that you've been in and we're going to turn the page here. And I'm the leader that's going to make that happen. So I really was down at it at the time. And uh, like many people, I ended up being right. I mean, it wasn't uh, an unusual opinion at the time, but sometimes, you know, this is what makes play like a jet work. It's what makes sports talk radio work. Sometimes we're right. You know, sometimes the fans are right. And to me, this was one of those times where you could see trouble coming. You could see it from the press conference. We all made fun of it, but it was not a good sign. You know, you can say what you want. It was not a good sign. And it was telling, you know, I, I find it funny sometimes when people talk about winning the press conference and, 
how insignificant it is to win the press conference. And I generally disagree. Uh, I generally disagree. I think you need to be able to communicate with players and you need to be able to inspire leadership. And in fact, you know, I know I'm long winded about this stuff that comes with the talk show host territory, but it's part of the things that I don't like about Sam Darnold. I don't think he just takes the team and grabs it and says, Hey boys, follow me. I'll get us out of this. And look, it's not easy when you don't have the kind of talent uh, that you need to do that. But there's also habits that a quarterback has or that a head coach has that will be true in any situation with any group of players. There's a way you go about doing things. And, you know, I just never thought Adam was head coaching material. And uh, I don't think he'll ever be a head coach again, but we'll see, you know, stranger things have happened. Todd Bowles might get back into it now off that performance and he might've learned a lot. And you know what? He might be okay the second time around if he learned from the first time. So you never know. That is true. That should be the motto of the NFL. You never know because Todd Bowles absolutely has a good chance to get another head coaching job. If he has another season, like he did this year in Tampa Bay and the defense continues to play the way that it has under him while he's been there. I want to talk about not just the past head coaches for the Jets, Todd Bowles, Adam Gase. I want to talk about the new guy, Robert Sala. What are your thoughts on the hire? It sure looks good. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant always uh, that the Jets got it right here. But I, I think that everything that we, as Jet fan, would want uh, coming in the door, the opposite of, of Gase, um, in terms of just kind of commanding a room, having a resume that's respected, having relationships, you know, which is really where Gase um, was uh, deficient. Uh, Robert Sala has relationships. He has people that are clearly respectful of his style, of his knowledge, of his abilities. Uh, and I think he is going to embrace the challenge. And I think that if fans are patient, uh, we will learn you know, how well uh, he can do. One thing we never know and I said this about Joe Judge, who I like right now, as you know, I don't think he he had a great end of season in terms of some of his on-field decisions, et cetera. But that's part of the growing pains. But what I I'd like to think about both guys, but especially about uh, Sala coming in, is that he's going to learn. You know that that he will um, be open to criticism, that he will be self-grading, uh, that he will be introspective, that he will. Um, make mistakes and not make them twice. I mean, that's what you always hope for. And if the guy's smart and he, his ego isn't too big, uh, I think it's likely that that will be the case. So uh, I'm just excited about that part of it. But as we, you know, even in uh, in the Super Bowl recently here, you know, it's just very, very obvious that players play. And, you know, I know that the Belichick-Brady thing became easy now because of Brady's success and and all the problems in New England, et cetera. And, you know, the argument's over for people and they're, you know, talking about it. But I do think it does shine light on one of the most important things. And Jet fans know this well. Players play. I mean, players play. Players make plays or they don't. You're either, you know, Makai Becton making the plays or you're not. And, uh, you know, we watched uh, a Kansas City team unable to control 
the defensive line of Tampa and the defensive scheme of Tampa. And we saw what happened to a player that no one doubts in Patrick Mahomes, you know, a player that you can count his bad games on one hand. So players play. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, coaching is important, but the jet problem is clearly first and foremost in the roster. And, uh, I guess, I guess I would sum up my opinion on Robert Sala and just say he won't be the reason you're disappointed in the 2021 Jets. If, in fact, you are, I don't think he will be the reason you are. And I do expect him to be a better coach in December than he is in September. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Talked about the roster being the biggest problem, and so the architect of the roster, Joe Douglas, has a lot to do this offseason to fix this. Where are you at with Douglas right now? Are you optimistic? Yeah, I'm fairly optimistic. I think the whiteboard must be crazy in there. You know, the the Windex and the erasers and uh, the number of new pens they must need because we all are intrigued by Watson, even though we think it's a very outside shot. Um, there are varying opinions on Darnold. Most of them, like most quarterbacks that don't succeed, that are early picks. Well, he's got no one around him. I mean, that uh, argument has been going on forever, and 50 years from now, it will still be going on. You know, put him with a good team, put him with Pittsburgh, and see how he looks there. And I get it. I mean, I get it. And who can prove it? Nobody. So it's good sports talk stuff, you know, to say, well, if you put him on a really good team, he'd be this, that, or the, you know, and that's fine. I mean, if you hold that view, you're certainly entitled to it, but it can't be proven. You know, you can't know uh, what would happen there. But I guess my point with, with Douglas is you've got $70 million. You've got six picks in the first 103, should they not trade? It's possible you could end up with more than that. It's probably not going to be the case that you end up with less than that unless you get Watson. And your future, your football team is right here in front of you. With the $70 million, the new head coach, and the six picks early, four of which you better hit on that end up in being NFL players, maybe not stars, but, but players and key contributors, uh, it's all right in front of them. So it is a fun time to be a Jet fan. I, I can't – like doing what you do uh, and hosting this kind of a format uh, is great in times like this because uh, although ownership always makes you pause here because that's their nature, you always think they'll find a way to screw it up or do something uh, you know, that, that makes you bang your head against the wall. Uh, the bottom line is that this league is designed for teams not to go through what the Jets and the Jet fans have these last five years, or for that matter, the Giant fan. When you have this many picks, you know, I think five of the last seven years, they've picked six or better, you know, between two and six in the draft. But when you do that, you can't lose as much as the Jets have. You can't clearly be the worst team in football the way they were last year. So they've really, really, I mean, we know they're bad, but they really screwed this up. And uh, I, I just think that this ability to come from the bottom with money, with picks, with a new head coach that you're excited about, with a young general manager who, you know, has his feet wet in the league now. It's, it, I, I'm not pessimistic. I'm not. But I'm, I'm also not planning the parade. You know, I, I want to see it. I'm excited about seeing it. 
and I think the listeners to your podcast are definitely, you know, they're, they're cautious with their optimism, but they're anxious. They want to see what this group looks like in September. They can't wait, as Bart Scott would say. They really <laughs> want to see what it looks like. Where will Darnold be? What, who will the quarterback be? Who will be the backup? What will the receiving core look like? Will we get an edge rusher? Can we do something about the corners? Can, you know, what will the draft look like? And if we don't get a, if we don't get Zach Wilson or we don't want Zach Wilson, is Devontae Smith coming? I mean, that, he's the most exciting player I've seen. So there's just so much on the plate for the Jet fan that uh, I think, Scott, you're in a good spot right now. Let's hope the Jets are in a good spot because, as you said, yeah. a lot of work to do, a lot of assets to do it, but they've got a hit on those assets. They've got money. They've got draft picks, and I want to get into all of that in a little bit, but first I want to go back to Sam Darnold and talk about what you think they should do with him. Three seasons with the Jets. He hasn't performed anywhere near the caliber that they were expecting, and now there's all kinds of trade rumors. What do you think they should do? Should they move on from him? Do you think he's gotten a raw deal? Do you think that he could still be a top quarterback? What are your thoughts on him in general? No, I think he's a backup quarterback. I, I think he's uh, doesn't have the leadership or the ability to run the uh, football team at the line. The only thing I'll say, which is fair, you know, is that Gates, I mean, we saw, you know, Tannehill escape and do what he did. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how much uh, Gates muted what this guy can do i don't like his feet scott i don't like his ability in the uh in the flat i don't like his decision making i do love his arm i think his arm is is top 30 percent in the nfl at least i think 70 percent of the nfl quarterbacks have worse arms than than um sam to put it you know more clearly and other than that, there's not a lot I like about him. So uh, most importantly, you know, the leadership area, and I know he's still 23 or just about 24. I mean, it's just uh, it's just something that I don't think you teach. You either control it or you don't. And to me, um, it's a bad sign if he's still here, given all the parameters about the logistics of paying him and coming off the you know, the contract and having to deal with him next year and all that. So uh, if I were the Jets and I could get uh, a late round first or even an early second, I certainly would consider moving on. And then, you know, to me, and, and we haven't gotten there yet, but to me, if I can get a Mariota or a Bridgewater to bridge the gap, and pick a quarterback, I would, I would do that. That's what I would do if I were the Jets. I would, I would try to get Mariota or Bridgewater. I would get rid of Darnold, and I would pick a quarterback and transition and have that quarterback sit a year, especially if it's Zach Wilson, who I like better than Fields. Uh, coming out of that conference, I would have him sit a year behind Bridgewater or Mariota and go from there. So that's what I would do. Chris, let's build on that because I want to know what you want the team to do or what you think they should do above and beyond the quarterback position. We know what you think they should do there. What do you think they should do in other spots? They've got all these draft picks, all this money. What do you think they should attempt to do in free agency and the NFL draft? Well, I think you've got to crawl before you walk. And this league right now, Scott, you know it as well as I do, they're not going to change anytime soon with the success they've had is a league that rewards offense over defense. 
They want points. They want electric plays. They love Patrick Mahomes. He's their Steph Curry from a few years ago that everybody just says wow about. They love wow players. And wow players are generally offensive players. Of course, there's exceptions, but generally they're offensive players. They're Devontae Smiths. You know, that's, that's what keeps the league going. And with that in mind, I just think that the Jets have gone about it the wrong way. It's easy to say defense wins championships. And then, you know, we see what happened to Mahomes and company and say, see, see, defense, defense. But that's an exception. That's not the rule. Those teams didn't get there with defense. Um, you know, the, the, there were plenty of high scoring games, which Tampa was involved in. The Packers were involved in New Orleans, all the teams that made it down the stretch and made the final eight and the final four. Most of them were offensive first. If you want to win in the regular season in this league, you need to be uh, a team that people are afraid to play because you score too much, not because your defense is good, because you score too much. You, you put up too many points. And um, they've dropped the ball in that. You know, they, they don't have electric players. They don't have a sense uh, around the NFL that they're scary to play. You know, and I thought it was typical, typical Jets. You know, uh, they do the they do the press conference, and and uh, Dopey Johnson, Chris Johnson says, if if uh, we get the right coach in here, no one's going to want to play us next year. And I, it's just like God, it's just so, it's just so Jets to say that no <laughs> one's going to want to play us next year. Let me tell you something, Mr. Johnson. Everyone wants to play you until you get players, until you get scary. No coach can change your roster into something that nobody wants to play. So first thing you got to do is be scary on offense. So to me, I would over overload on the offensive side. I think Beckton was a great find, and it looks like if he stays healthy, of course, that he'll be an anchor there, and that's nice to have that put away and, and helps you sleep at night a little bit. But obviously, there's a lot more to do at all the skill positions. Um, Herndon has been the disappointment. And I don't believe in the running backs that they have. I, I know they're out there to find them, but I'm not a Perrine fan. So I, I just think, you know, across the board, offensively, they need to be scarier. And and if you're going to – like, if you're going to have one guy, like, let's say you, you really do believe in Devontae Smith, you, you got to have somebody else. Because they'll just double them, and I mean, you need to be multi-threat. You got to be multi-threat. You got to be a position where they don't know what you're going to do next, and you got to use the width of the field. That's what these good teams are doing now. They're using the width of the field. You know, they, there's, I mean, there's just very few guys that'll sit back there and throw uh, because it just that's not the way the game's played now. You know, there's exceptions, but it's basically clearly going to a to an athletic um, uh, quarterback that will make plays with his feet and that is not afraid to get out of the pocket and not afraid to run the football when he has to, even if he's not a running quarterback. But in a position, he'll take it, you know, the way Josh Allen does, the way Kyler Murray does, the way Russell Wilson does, the way so many of these new young quarterbacks do. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson, but he's almost run first in his position, and he's a freak. He's an exception. He's like Tom Brady. He's an exception. You know, you talk about Brady, you talk about everybody else because uh, nobody does what Brady does, and really nobody does what Jackson does, even though it's completely uh, different style. So there are certain freaks out there, 
that really don't need to enter the conversation. But for the most part, you need to be able to move. They need to be a lot more athletic offensively. And I hope Joe Douglas is looking at it that way. I think, uh, Scott, you win in the regular season in the NFL with your offense, not your defense. And if you look it up, it's pretty obvious. Like if you look at the NFL stats, which are available to everybody right there on your computer, it's pretty obvious the teams that are most electric are also the ones that are winning now. Uh, It wasn't always that way, right? It wasn't that way, but it is that way now. Part of it's the rule changes and fantasy and, and the way the league is set up. And part of it is adapting sort of a college style, right? Where the college quarterback now comes out of college and is successful playing in large part, the college style at the pro level, which we never thought would happen before because everybody was so afraid, oh, they'll get killed doing that in the NFL. There's too much speed. Uh, they'll turn it over too much. You can't do that anymore. And you know what? There's a lot of guys that have come in in the last two or three years that have said, yes, we can do it. And there's a lot of offensive coordinators that have embraced it. So I see the league going that way. And uh, I see them concentrating on offense in the draft with those uh, first six picks that they have. They do have a lot of picks, but there is a scenario where they wouldn't have all those picks. Of course, talking about Deshaun Watson, what are your thoughts on all of that? Because right now the Texans are holding firm. They're saying they're not going to trade him. Watson is holding firm, saying he's not going to show up. The Jets are lurking among other teams. Do you think that this winds up with Watson being traded? And if you were the Jets, if it took some sort of insane blockbuster offer, would you do it? Well, you know what? That's that's part of why, you know, I talked about the big whiteboard and, and Joe Douglas. I mean, how do you build a football team if you've traded your future away and you have no present? And right now they have no present. OK, the Jets, first off, Jet fans have to admit that, yeah, they have a couple players. But if you go around and say, you know, what will you give me for Perrine? What will you give me for Perriman? What will you give me for, you know, outside of Quinn and Williams and Becton? And, you know, I mean, it's just a very short list of players that are coveted by other teams. And that's how I usually judge whether my team is any good. How many players do I have that other teams would really want? You know, I I think that's a a good way to, to realistically view your own team. So if I'm Joe Douglas and I got that whiteboard out and I know what I have to give up and it's a substantial amount to get Watson, what do I have left and how can I build a team? How long will it take me? And what are my assumptions? You know, that, that by the time he's, he's 25 now, if he's 27, will we be able to compete? Will I be able in two years to make up for my loss of picks and get myself something decent around me? Um, that that's really where the questions are for all of us as jet fans, you know, how, how can you build a football team when you're giving away the future to get a coveted player like this? And it is a, you know, it's a difficult question, but given the number of mistakes made by drafters, good ones and bad ones, just, just a very tough business. We know that, um, I would give up a lot of picks to get them because, because those picks aren't guaranteed and because I just feel like I'm going to have to hit on my picks no matter what. You know, I think the one thing that's lost to fans, and they always love talking about the early pick, whether it's two overall, three overall, six overall, 
They love talking about that guy. But teams that win, you know, do it with two, three, and four where people shrug their shoulders on draft day. But by November, they're like, wow, that fourth-round pick can play, huh? Look at how good he is. That, that's what winning teams do. They, they find players in the third and fourth round. So if Douglas is confident he can do that, then he's going to be willing to give up more to get something as, as guaranteed, knock on wood with injury, but as guaranteed as Deshaun Watson is. If not, you know, then, then it's, you know, it sets them back. They have a quarterback and nothing else. And uh, they've already got Josh Allen and an improving Buffalo team and an improving Miami team uh, to deal with in their division. So I just don't, I just don't think it's an easy decision. And in the end, Scott, I don't think that uh, Houston really is going to deal him because I just think from their perspective, uh, it's just too much risk. You know, it's just too much risk uh, in giving up on a player that young and that good. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. So it's fascinating. It's fun to talk about. And uh, as I said, this is one of the reasons why this offseason is so much fun for the Jet fan because if they don't do it, you're, you know, you've got all these picks and you're picking second and you can have your Zach Wilson, Justin Fields argument. Uh, and if they do, and Sam Darnold situation, and if they, if they do it, well, now you got a, <laughs> a whole nother area of conversation and analysis and uh, back and forth about how they build a football team around them. So either way, uh, play like a jet is a winner. <laughs> I sure hope so. I appreciate that. But I got to ask you, do you think it's going to continue being a winner? In other words, when we have this conversation a year from now, do you think that you're going to tell me, Scott, I was cautiously optimistic last year. Now let's go full blast. Jets are on the right track. They're doing things right. Robert Sala is the guy. Joe Douglas did a really good job in the offseason. Heart of hearts. Is this going to turn out well for the Jets? Yeah, but I don't think it's going to happen all at once. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, I don't think they'll be picking in the top ten uh, in the next few years. I really don't. You know, I really don't. But I uh, I am fearful is not the right word, but respectful of what they're doing in Buffalo. I really am, and I really like the kid. I, I like everything about how he's improved and how he has embraced the NFL and how he has been embraced by his teammates, and he reinforces what solid leadership and guts can do. And, um, you know, poor performance at the end uh, against Kansas City or not, I just feel like they really are on the right track with the right head coach and the right attitude there. And, you know, I think Miami will be interesting too with an interesting offseason in front of them. So when I put those two together, I say to myself, you know, you're going to have to work at it. You know, the Met fans know with the Braves where they are, you know, it's not going to be easy for them. And you got to respect your division. That's where your life is. So I, I just feel like uh, that's a concern, you know, that, that these other teams are going to be pretty good. And, you know, if you get six or seven wins uh, out of next season, um, which I think is – a reasonable expectation, although right now with so few players, who knows? But I, I just think that it's 
you know, you walk, you crawl before you walk. And uh, I think, I think Sal is a better head coach in 2022 than he will be in 2021. Uh, and I think the Jets are better in 2022 than they will be in 2021. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that when we, if we talk a year from now, that we will have been pleased with the progress. We will know where the problems are. Um, and we will be confident, which is the difference, I think, that they will fix them. You know, like when we talk to Met fans when I'm on the fan and stuff and, um, you talk about Stevie Cohen being the new owner and what does that really mean? And everybody wanted everything done at once. And, you know, let's go get every free agent. He's got billions and all this. They're trying to build an organization there. You know, they're trying to, and it's not all going to happen at once. The difference to me, and hopefully the Douglas Salah combination is this way as well, even though it's owner versus uh, uh, coach and, and general manager that they do address what's wrong, you know, that they fix it, that they don't sit back and go, Oh, it's okay. We, you know, we'll, we'll live with, uh, you know, having substandard wide receivers while everybody else is blowing us out of the water, that they'll go fix what they see after year one and, and make the improvements in the off season of year one into year two, where you can be proud of how they're going about their business. And that's really, you know, Jet fans aren't asking for much more than that. Give us a franchise we can be proud of. Give us a franchise that wants to be better tomorrow and proves it, you know, that goes out and proves it, that makes decisions um, that are, you know, that are well-intentioned and that are uh, designed to make my fan experience better because I don't think they've done that. You know, I don't think they've done that. And I don't know how you hire Adam Gates and think, you know, and think you're doing the fans a favor here. You know, I just don't. I don't know how that ever happened. I really don't. I mean, I don't know how he could sit in a room and, and make people think, oh, they'll follow this guy. I'd run through a wall for this guy. He's, you know, he's the leader we really need him to be. Um, so, you know, I, I have to see it. And uh, I just feel like, Alan Douglas, you know, the terms of their deals and situations that they're in, they're going to come through and there, it may not be pretty and there may be some ugly times and, you know, the jets are the jets and they'll find a way sometimes to break your heart. But, but um, this combination sure as hell beats anything we've seen recently, you know, between Idzik and McCagnan and Bowles and I mean, Gase, it's just been, you know, it's been very hard be overly optimistic so uh, i think scott you probably agree that they have to prove it because of their track record but but we want to see it i'll tell you that i'm not you know i'm not one of these guys that says call me when you've got it fixed i want to see you fix it i want to watch the process and i think a lot of jet fans want to watch the process much like you, I'm somebody who always requires proof before believing anything. And thankfully, you're always proving me right when I say that you're the smartest man in sports talk radio. Once again, showing us why here on the podcast. Chris Moore, host at WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Always one of my favorite people to talk to. For those that want to check you out on the radio, interact with you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, more to say with two O's, M-O-O-R-E-T-O-S-A-Y, uh, on Twitter. And usually on the weekends on, uh, 
on the fan. That's what I've been getting most of the time. So uh, a lot of uh, Saturday evenings, Sunday afternoons, uh, depending on games, et cetera. And it works out great for me, you know, because I, I like to have the week to think about things and where I'm going to go and, uh, you know, what's most important to me. And uh, so it's, it's really worked out well for me. And I always appreciate coming on with you and continued success with everything. I know uh, some changes are in the works and uh, those announcements will come out soon. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, being able to find you in different spots down the road. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate that, man. Coming from you, that means a lot. And for anybody that is missing out on Chris's weekend shows on WFAN, make sure that you follow him on Twitter, at say so you know exactly when he's going to be on and you can tune in. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.